Welcome to the Hockey News Action Show presented by BetMGM McKenny Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens. Sitting virtually across from me is the one and only Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We had a good weekend of bets, my man. We sure did. It was a ton of fun. Um, and this will be a, a bit of a shorter shorter episode of, of this show today just because like half the teams are basically on uh, the all-star break already. Um, so we only have three games really to, to tee up for Tuesday. And then we're going to do a little bit of like sort of, you know, mid-season award check uh, uh, you know, like do some futures on that. But right now, uh, let's get into the slate of games uh, on Tuesday. Let's get everyone, you know, fired up, ready to rock. First, we got the Kings and the Hurricanes. Yeah, this is interesting. They've they played already once uh, this season. So I kind of I like to look at trends, but I also like to look at matchups, who played against two, um, that kind of thing, especially when you got a team that really only plays um, twice a year. These games happen, right? Because you got an mm-hmm. East and a West game. Um, so it's not a big enough sample size to, to say anything, but it's, it's always good to just kind of have a cursory look. Um, Carolina is one of the best teams defensively in the league, right? They so always are. yeah, they've got the third best goaltending, um, like goals against wise they get, they've given up two or less in the last four or five. So like that, that's pretty good. If you're giving up two or less, you, that's a recipe for winning. Like, wouldn't it be great if, if you know, like the team of the city that we lived in gave up two or less in the playoffs. <laughs> that'd be that'd be terrific. You know, that would be uh, uh, I feel like that'll never come, but that would be that would be great. Yeah. I mean, look, Carolina is always a great defensive team. I mean, you know, like you said, they've given up two goals or less in their last um, in their last four or five this season. It seems though that they're a bit more offensively inclined than they have been in recent years. They're they're firing the puck on net. Um, maybe, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you're right. So I don't know kind of if this is a Rod Brindamore thing, but it kind of seems like since he took over, they've just been progressively shooting more and more and more. And it's volume shooting as opposed to passing it around for like the perfect play. Like they're averaging 36 shots on goal per game. So like we're talking a shot, like over a shot on goal every two minutes. So that doesn't even count like blocks, misses, any of that. And I mean, like, you're shooting a ton. They also get a ton of shots from the point, whether it's Brett Pesci, Brady Shea, um, obviously Brent Burns is just like firing pucks continuously yeah. from the point. He's a little bit like haywire. So it's kind of like hit or miss whether he actually like gets his shots on goal, but LA has actually been quite good defensively. They are sixth best in shot attempts per game. So they're not, they don't give up a ton, but their goaltending is horrendous. Like it's, bad have you seen their goaltending numbers uh yeah it's it's terrible like well <laughs> it started with cal peterson this season where he put up like legitimately like a nine an, an 820 or something to start the season he got sent down uh jonathan quick is obviously a shell of his former self and then phoenix copley great story that he's now in the in the league but you know like it's they're they're hanging by a thread in net and it's really holding back what could be a very very fun team Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the Pacific Division, and it seems like three or four points is kind of separating, like, five teams. And goaltending could be the difference maker here. And so, like, LA, outside of their goaltending, is actually playing quite well defensively, structurally. um, So they don't give up a ton of shots, which is, I mean, that is a recipe for success. The problem is, is you need to have above 900 goaltending to have success. And in the last three weeks... LA's goaltending has been below 900 and that is not good especially when you consider that if Carolina puts up 36 shots 
on sub 900 goaltending, you're looking at three or four goals just on a law of averages. Um, and so for me, unless you're getting a big goaltending performance here, or at least somewhat average, Carolina is probably going to score three goals. So if you can get that number over two and a half on the team total, uh, that's that's absolutely something I would look at. I'd even take a look at over three and a half for Carolina. Yeah, Carolina, like, you know, this is a team that is coming into its own offensively, and you're, you're playing a team like L.A. that is just, like you said, like cannot stop the beach ball lately. Uh, you're you're going to want to take that. Um, what about L.A. in terms of offense? So they've been a pretty good offensive team this year. You know, their big acquisition in the offseason was Kevin Fiala. He's been exactly as advertised. You know, is there anything anybody worth putting some some dollars and cents down on L.A. to maybe uh, put up some numbers? Yeah, so uh, Kevin Fiala and Adrian Kempe have been the primary shooters for L.A. this year. Um, and Fiala's kind of getting some favorable matchups lately because he's been kind of bouncing between the second and third line. And I think against Carolina, you'll see maybe he might be affected because they have, like, the Martinuk Faust line has is actually doing really well in terms of uh, the expected goal share. But to me, like, they're their trigger guys. They play on the power play. Um, Victor Arvidsson is also over two and a half shots in three straight games. So he's shooting the puck a little bit more and he's also making the most, he's very efficient, right? He's not just shooting the puck eight times and hitting the net three times. Like he's, he's getting his shot attempts and hitting the net. So he's, he's super efficient that way. Those are three guys that I would take a look at. If you can get any of those guys at over two and a half, um, those are guys I'd look at three and a half is a little bit more dangerous unless it's somebody like Adrian Kempe. Um, but Arvidsson and Fiala at two and a half, um, that's that's a good bet for me. In terms of uh, someone on, on Carolina's side offensively, who would you take? Yeah, so we talked about how they just like shoot always. Um, now, both teams don't tend to give up shots to centers, which is why obviously we mentioned three wingers when we talked about L.A., but then I went back and looked, and Sebastian Ajo had, I believe, six or seven shots when they played L.A. in the last game this season, um, and he's also been shooting the puck a ton lately. So both him and Sveshnikov have been shooting it, and kind of given um, the way it's going, Carolina seems to kind of follow the trend of like, oh, this guy's shooting, and he's hot, so like we're just going to kind of feed him. Um, and the other guy that just kind of is always shooting is Martin Nietzsche and he's a supremely talented player. Um, generally speaking, I would probably lay some money down on any one of those three guys to score a goal. They're usually the primary uh, scorers as well for Carolina. And I think in a game where I'm probably expecting Carolina to score three or four, I think they're the combination of those three players is probably scoring at least two of those goals. So to me, not only am I looking at that for, for shots, but also as a potential goal scoring prop, those are three players on Carolina that I would seriously lean towards, especially because you're getting them at plus money. Like none of those players are minus one Oh five or anything like that. They're usually plus plus one twenty. Martin Nietzsche is closer to plus two twenty, So I think there's some value there. Fantastic. All right. Moving on to an Eastern conference matchup here, uh, Atlantic division matchup, actually the centers in Montreal's so rematch. Uh, from Saturday, look, Ottawa has been on fire the last couple games here because they beat the Leafs 5-2 in Toronto. And they traveled, uh, I, I believe it was to Montreal. They beat them 5-0. Now they're playing them again. That's 10, you know, they, they're on a streak of scoring five goals against uh, against their opponents. Does this continue again? Um, It's hard to say, right? Because uh, as of the recording of this, we don't have the starting goaltender. Mm -hmm. um, I think that generally speaking, when you're playing in a back-to-back, -back, there's going to be some bad blood. So 
yeah. I'm expecting uh, a ton of penalties in this game, especially after the five nothing shellacking. I that's kind of what I'm expecting there. So it's also the last game I believe for these teams before All Star break. Um, and let's face it, like it's loosey goosey hockey. Like there's mm-hmm. there's no tight defense being played by either of these teams to begin with, let alone like the game before they're all heading to Turks and Caicos and the Caribbean. Um, so I'm actually expecting a ton of shots. Um, both teams give up a ton of shots. Like Montreal just gives up shots, like they're free candy on Halloween. Um, and Ottawa has kind of been giving up a ton of shots to left wingers. So it depends on where Kirby Doc is playing. If Kirby Doc is playing center, um, I don't necessarily think he'll have the shooting volume because he'll be in a tougher matchup. But if he's on the left wing with Suzuki, I think him and Dvorak are in great spots to put up some shots. And Mike Hoffman, because he's the trigger man on the power play, seemingly like that's kind of the guy, right? If you can get him, some books have him at over one and a half, but even two and a half, like he's pretty consistent. And given the fact that I'm expecting some power play opportunities here, I think that he's going to be able to hit that, that third shot. Um, on the flip side, um, Brady Kachuk, Alex Dabrinka, Tim Stutzla have all been shooting at incredible volume of late. Um, they've kind of been the primary guys, whether it be like Stutzla and Dabrinka are the primary power play shooters. Brady Kachuk's always at the net front causing all manner of Kachuk nonsense. Um, and so I think them at over three and a half and Stutzla at two and a half, uh, those are good bets as well as Thomas Shabbat. He's over two and a half in four of his last five. Um, he's another guy that, that plays on the power play. And I think in that loosey goosey game, he probably gets up in the rush a bit too. But on the flip side, Drake Batherson hasn't been shooting a ton of late. So under two and a half shots for me there. Um, those are kind of the guys I'm targeting um, in this game. And I know there's a lot of them, but in a game we expect to kind of be loosey-goosey, I think that there's a good opportunity here to make some money. Fantastic. All right, let's go to Washington and Columbus uh, Blue Jackets. Washington just played one of the most, uh, I would say, apathetic hockey games I've ever seen um, against, <laughs> against the Leafs last uh, on, um, on Sunday night. It was this too. Okay. This is going to be my opinion here on, on Washington is that, and, and keep in mind someone who covers the Leafs. I know my, my way around this. Um, this looks like a, a, a roster that is built for a first round exit. This is the most like mid roster in the league. I know they have Ovi and all that, but it just didn't inspire much. Um, keep in mind though, that, uh, you know, Columbus is coming off a, a Western road trip. Uh, so there could be some things here, but this is going to be a very, uh, you know, this this is going to be a very interesting game here against two teams, one that is struggling but has high expectations. The other one is struggling and had maybe minimal expectations. Yeah, so usually um, when you're coming off of a Western Conference road swing where, I mean, they played Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary, like that's usually a recipe for a loss. Now we're also talking about the fact that it's the last game before the break. Uh, that just kind of seems like things – guys could be a little bit checked out there for Columbus. Um, Washington got smacked, like you said, by Toronto. And I'd have to think they'd be looking to rebound. The one thing that I would caution against is Alex Ovechkin, if he doesn't feel like playing in the All-Star game, might just sit the game against Columbus out with a mysterious injury. Mm -hmm. So be mindful of that. I would not be taking bets until I know if he is playing or not, because that's going to supremely impact the power play shots, the power play setup. Um, just in general, it'll also affect the game lines, obviously, because he is 
somebody that they key in on. And Columbus has actually had a ton of success. Um, Ovechkin's only averaging a half goal per game against Columbus. Only? And, oh, yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, in against the Leafs, let's say, he's, I think he's got, like, 40 goals in, like, 56 games or something over his career. Yeah. So Columbus just seems to kind of be a um, a team that's that's been able to shut Ovi down o- over his career. Um, it is important to point out, though, that um, these teams, this will be the third time they play in January, which is kind of crazy to think about. And Washington has won both meetings in January. Um, they won one nothing, and then I believe they won like 5-2. Um, so we're kind of looking at Washington is the better team here. They've got Nicholas Backstrom back. How did he look against Toronto? He scored. Well, you that's know, good. His, his, shot is, his shot is going. He was the only goal that they scored, but... His shot was going. Other than that, wasn't super noticeable. But the thing about the power play is, uh, he's good. Nicholas at Backstrom is on it, <laughs> and he's good at passing. But also, like you know, what teams are. And, and Sheldon Keith had a really interesting quote here where uh, last night because he was asked about you know defending Ovi on the power play, and he goes like, "You want to be conscious of like where he is, obviously, but you want to be focused on the puck, and you don't want to give them the opportunity to set Ovechkin up. But then, but then he's like, but then you, you, but then Nicholas Backstrom gets it and puts it right below the crossbar. So like." They have that having Backstrom as like another threat on the power play. That's why Ovechkin can, can and and obviously Kuznetsov to another extent. That's why Ovechkin can can sort of like just cook on the power play because yes, you know it would be easy to just put four players surrounding Ovechkin on the side, but then that would leave a guy like Backstrom or Kuznetsov completely completely you know un, un uh, unabated, um, and, and it showed on on Sunday. But yeah, it was. Backstrom, he's looking okay. I mean, the fact that he he's coming back from hip resurfacing surgery, is yeah. Insane. But uh, look, he he scored. Good for him. Yeah. So I would actually look if Ovechkin is playing. I would I would look at taking Backstrom to to get a power play point, um, because whether he's going to score or set somebody like Eric Gustafson, Evgeny Kuznetsov, TJ Oshie, or uh, that other guy, mm-hmm. Alex Ovechkin. I mean, he's pretty much in on any power play goal that Washington is going to score when he's healthy. Um, so that's something I'd look at. Columbus gives up the second most shots in the league. So regardless of who's starting, um, whether it's Corpus Allo or not, I would be looking at taking the over on goalie saves. You'll probably find it at about 32 or 33 and a half. I think that that's probably given that they average giving up about 37 shots a game. Um, that's, that's a bet that I'd look to take. Cause I think even coasting, you've got some river hockey that, kind of leads to more shots and less defense and speaking of that um eric gustafson with john carlson out of the lineup has taken over his spot on the top power play and he's shooting more with the increased opportunity he's not been fantastic defensively but nobody cares about that in terms of betting i care about his shots and so i think especially if ovechkin isn't playing i'd be taking him um in his over on shots i'd probably take it anyways because he's a guy that can get up in the rush. He'll still shoot on the power play, especially now that he could be fed by Backstrom. So to me, um, he's in a pretty good spot there. Um, so that's kind of what I'd look to take for in this game. Very cool. All right. Now, before we wrap up here, you know, it's we're a little over the midseason mark, obviously. Some teams are, are approaching the 50 game or have passed the 50 game mark, but it's the all-star break. So there's no better time to really look at some awards races. Uh, just we're going to do three of the Norris, Vesna, and Calder. Uh, here to see, you know, maybe maybe it'd be worth putting a couple a uh, couple bucks on something. You, you never know if it pays off at the end. Starting off with the Norris, uh, uh, it seems like we got we got Eric Carlson leading the pack here. 
Yeah, so he's the the favorite um, to win the Norris, and he's followed by Kale McCarr and Adam Fox. Um, obviously, none of those names should be a surprise to you. Um, but Eric Carlson, like on the decimal odds, he's 3.5. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to continue to have the season that he's having, and San Jose is a dogpile defensively. Um, so I think as they move off of probably trading Timo Meyer, they might even trade Eric Carlson. I think it's going to be hard for him to keep up the numbers that he had in the first half. Um, where somebody like Adam Fox has been fantastic offensively, he's been pretty good defensively as well. I think he's valuable here at five at point five. So you're getting like five times your money there on the return. To me, um, that's that's a pretty good bet to take. Um, the reason why I stay away from Kale McCarr is because we kind of don't really know what Colorado is right now. And he was in and out of the lineup. Um, but whereas Adam Fox, I think um, New York is like, they are where they are. And I think that Adam Fox is a big part of uh, them offensively, but also defensively. He's going to have the point totals, which we know are a big thing. Um, so I look at Adam Fox um, and then very sneakily, because mm-hmm. I think he's starting to get, these two players are starting to get more love. Josh Morrissey and Charlie McAvoy. Mm-hmm. I think Morrissey probably is not going to be in that conversation um, in the same way that Charlie McAvoy will be. Let's let's face it. Charlie McAvoy is the best defenseman on the best team in the NHL. Yeah. And that's pretty hard to ignore. At least in my, he might not have the offensive numbers, but um, it's called being a defenseman. And I would wager that playing defense is the most important part of being a defenseman. And so to me, I think that he's somebody who quietly could, could garner some, some serious attention when we're talking about the Norris and he's a real big long shot. So if you're looking to put a couple bucks down on a guy who might kind of gain some steam, Charlie McAvoy is, is my guy there. Very cool. All right, let's go to the Vesna. Um, obviously for, for best goalie of the year, goalie of the year, whatever. Although this one is weird in that it is voted on by the GMs, which seems very wrong. That should not be the case, but it really shouldn't be. Regardless, <laughs> uh, we gotta fi- we we gotta you know play with the cards we're dealt, and uh, and and right now we have. I mean, it seems like it's basically a runaway. Um, it's it, like there's a runaway favorite at this point. It's it's Linus Allmark who is just tearing up the entire league. As you said with Charlie McAvoy, you know the, Charlie McAvoy is the best defenseman on the best team in the league. Uh, Linus Allmark is the far, is the best goalie on the best uh, team in the league, and he is putting up otherworldly numbers. You say here that there's not even value in putting any money on him to win this award. Yeah. So, it, the, like you said, the Vesna is voted by the GMs. I don't know why that is. What I can tell you is that the GMs talk to each other and have discussions about who should and shouldn't win the Vesna, which I think is really silly. Um, and here are the columns they look at. Wins... Goals against average, which is a team stat, and save percentage. All right, well, Linus Allmark has been splitting the net with Jeremy Swayman a bit. So in the GM's eyes, that actually could harm him. And so the fact that you're not even going to get full value on your money uh, to bet on Linus Allmark, who's the prohibitive favorite, to me, I'd probably stay away from him. This is his first year where he's kind of been on a good team and has a reduced workload like when he was playing in buffalo like a car oh, he was getting pelted it was insane. just pelted right yeah and so i i really i could see him actually getting harmed in the voting because gms are going to say well he's sharing the net with swayman 
Boston's excellent defensively, yada, 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 that kind of stuff. So there's not really value on Allmark um, as a betting favorite. Where there is value is Connor Hellebuck. Um, you're going to get – it's 5.0 on the decimal odds. Um, I mean, Winnipeg has been good this year, but man, oh, man. Like, Connor Hellebuck has been absolutely fantastic in the net. Pretty much by every model, whether it's uh, Don Luce Trigion, whether Evolving Hockey, like – anything and he's he is kind of the guy him and Ilya Sorokin um but I don't know how you can vote for Ilya Sorokin when they're not even going to make the playoffs that's usually yeah. a thing that the GMs don't do um so Connor Hellebuck for me uh he's gonna have the win totals he's gonna have the save percentage um and those are the two big factors he's also gonna have the games played um I think that there's there's value on putting money on Connor Hellebuck there just because he has the track record and do not underestimate the Canadian media train. Yeah. If they decide to hop on the Connor Hellebuck train, that train is going full steam ahead. So I think that there could be some momentum there. So that's, that's a guy that I would look for. All right. Hey, in in one year, I'm going to be eligible to vote on awards, I believe Rachel. So, you know, don't, don't let <laughs> so, me in. So, there you go. Here's a hint. Look at analytics, watch the games and don't just look at win totals. There you go. Now I'm going to go with my gut. Oh, love that. Um, all right. And then finally, we got the Calder, obviously, Rookie of the Year. Overwhelming favorite right now is Maddie Beneers, who is just absolutely tearing it up. Uh, it was Seattle, 17 goals, 36 points in 47 games. But there are there are a couple that are kind of, you know, like nipping at his heels. Yeah. So Maddie Beneers is that favorite. So there's not really any value there. Um, he isn't as technically his second NHL season because he, he got to burn that year last year. And I think that that taste really actually helped him. Yeah. Um, there's no denying it. Like Seattle has been on the come up this year and Matty Beneers and Vince Dunn are big reasons for that. He is the deserved favorite for this award. And I think the fact that Seattle's in the playoffs is going to play in some voters minds, even though once again, it absolutely shouldn't. Um, so, so he's kind of the favorite, but one guy that I'm looking at in the second half is Owen power. So Owen power is 34.0, which means if you bet a dollar, you're making $34 right now on Owen Power if he wins. He's got 19 points in 46 games thus far this year. That's a half a point a game as a defenseman. That is pretty good. He's averaging 23, like over 23 and a half minutes of time on ice. And he's on the, he's the second best defenseman behind Rasmus Dahlin, who could find himself in the Norris conversation. I think when you look at it, being a defenseman, you and I can agree, being a defenseman is much harder than being a forward in this league, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's the hardest look- position. I mean, goalie's different, but like in terms of up front, like out of center, winger, you know, whatever, defenseman is the hardest position to develop into. It's the hardest position to master, you know, like, yeah. it, you know, like there's a reason why defensemen don't jump into the NHL or at least like mortal defensemen don't jump into the L into the NHL, like right out of junior and succeed. It's a very difficult position. Right. And he signed out of his draft year. So like he essentially like went back to school for a year and then played and now sim- similar to Maddie Beneers they actually both played for Michigan mm-hmm. um but I think Buffalo is kind of on that playoff cusp and I think people are recognizing that what Owen Power is doing is extremely commendable not only is Buffalo going to get a ton of attention down the stretch because they're a super entertaining team to watch obviously Tage Thompson's uh chase for 50 goals but I think rightfully so Owen Power is going to get a lot of attention because he is playing a significant role on a team that may or may not 
make the playoffs. I think they probably find themselves just outside. But I mean, he he doesn't have like the counting stats, let's say. But if you remember when Aaron Ekblad uh, came into the league, it he, he kind of reminds me of that in that um, he was extremely impactful defensively. And I think with Owen Power, that's kind of exactly what you're seeing. And so, I mean, at 34 times the money, like you can sign me up for for a bet on that because at a bare minimum, I do think he's going to end up being nominated for the award. And so at that point, you just never know. And you also never know if Matty Beneers or somebody else is going to have a fall off. Like that is also possible. It's possible for Owen Power. He kind of started slow this year and, and has ramped up. Um, but it's possible to start hot and, and slow down. So um, he's a guy that's got tremendous value for me right now. Absolutely. All right, Rachel. Well, I believe we have reached the end of the, the hockey news action show. Um, you know, enjoy everyone, you know, watching, enjoy your all-star break. Uh, and we'll be back after to talk about, you know, all the, all the incredible games that are coming up and get you set and maybe hopefully, you know, help you make some money on that. Um, if you want to, if you want to check out, I don't know why you would ever want to, but check out past episodes of this podcast uh, or this current one, go to the hockeynews.com slash podcast. That's where all of the hockey news network of podcasts is. Uh, and we will see you after the all-star break.